Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Welcome to another exciting edition of the podcast, and I'm very happy to have Dr. Kate Shanahan as our guest today. Welcome, Kate. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me today. Uh, we have all kinds of things to talk about. My notepad is full, and I'm so excited because there's been um, – your name keeps coming up on all these different levels uh, of talking about the stuff in the NBA with LeBron going paleo, and then in my morning newspaper and the TV news, we have the earthquake in Napa. And so <laughs> first things first, you're calling, talking to us from Napa, California, your home base. How is everything out there? Well, it's calmed down. Yeah, the fires were put out, and uh... – uh, we got super lucky because the only thing that broke in our whole household was this this ball of dirt that some guy gave us. And I don't know why we even accepted it, but it bounced off the mantle and exploded all over the floor. And that was like the last time the last time we thought of this guy <laughs> who was a, sort of a difficult to difficult house guest for a long time. Um, <laughs> well, so he, ball of dirts are really valuable. So yeah, I don't know why we um, how we. He convinced us that we needed that in our house. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so you warned me off the air that if we hear a helicopter flying overhead, it's no big deal, and they're they're flying nonstop to continue with that uh, rebuilding cleanup effort in Napa, huh? Yeah, I think something like twenty percent of the wine um, was lost, so that's a big deal. Yeah. Oh mercy, that's terrible. Yeah. Stock up now. That's right. Hit the hit the stores now for the, for best pricing, or come to PrimalCon in late September. We'll be serving you free wine at our wine and chocolate gathering. All right, I'm there. <laughs> uh, so, Kate, now we're on the on the board here for over a month with the wonderful Primal Advantage program. Uh, it took us quite a long time to build this and set it up and get ready for public sale. How's everything going with that? Yeah, it took a while because um, there's a lot of little firewalls that we had to put up because of the fact that this is a national service and it's not easy for a doctor to offer national services. Um, so I had to consult with a whole bunch of lawyers and get the legal file firewalls up. But um, it's been fantastic. I've been busy, very busy, um, and having a great time with it. Uh, the so far we've had uh, somewhere between somewhere around a dozen or maybe twenty people come through already, and I've gotten really great feedback from the folks who have come through and uh, we've established, I think just about everybody has, uh, you know, gotten a good program. And as I, as I had hoped, um, are interested in coming back for another three month evaluation with the blood tests and, and follow up. Uh, for those of you listening, unfamiliar or mildly familiar, the Primal Advantage is the one-on-one -on -one metabolic consulting program overseen by Dr. Kate that's available on primalblueprint.com. And we just, for a long time, realized that we needed to align with a real live medical doctor who treats patients on a daily basis. You, you work in practice in your clinic. Um, but having someone for 
wherever they're located, have a primal paleo-friendly doctor to engage with about uh, metabolic consulting, diet, nutrition, weight loss, and all those things. Um, and I'm sure you could disclaim this too. We, we want to make sure the people know that it's not a medical appointment or a medical consultation over the phone because that's uh, difficult to do. But what you're doing is metabolic consulting for your clients. And can you describe exactly what that is? Well, it's all the things that I wish I had more time to do in clinic where people come in with uh, maybe abnormal cholesterol levels or wanting to do something about their diabetes, uh, wondering why, why their energy levels are low. Uh, the, most of the common things that we just don't really have time to drill down into where it comes from in the lifestyle and what to do specifically about it in the context of you know the seven to 10 minutes um, that I get under the insurance model in clinic where I have to, you know, see people so quickly. So this is like a dream come true for me because I get to spend a good 90 minutes with people. And, and like, I know it seems like 90 minutes, my gosh, what do you talk about in that time frame? But people have a lot of, uh, a lot of detailed, um, questions that they need answered in order to understand what's happening. Why are their labs abnormal? And, and even that they are abnormal because, one of the things that um, I'm sure that you've brought up before on previous podcasts is that just interpreting cholesterol levels based on the, you know, looking at what the lab printout says is is a uh, recipe for confusion because those lab printouts are not reflective of the latest science in terms of understanding what really causes heart attacks. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the things actually I, I wanted to to touch on, you know, today and is, is the fact that, um, I didn't know this until I looked it up. I, I mean, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad that 75% of patients who are hospitalized for a heart attack had cholesterol levels that would indicate that they were not at any risk for a heart attack. And, and what that really, I mean, what that means, Brad, is that most people who have a heart attack, their first indication that they were at high risk for a heart attack was a heart attack. That's a good indicator. <laughs> it's a perfect indicator, but it, it is unfortunately, uh, I mean, it's perfectly accurate, <laughs> but in, in terms of, you know, uh, primary prevention and preventative medicine, it indicates that we are falling down on the job currently. And that's, be, that, that's because in large part, we're not interpreting the test results properly. We don't even know what test to order. And, um, you know, so... That, that's something I kind of wanted to go into, uh, uh, you know, just a little bit with you, if you'd like. Yeah, what- I think uh, furthermore on that, on that note, when Dr. Sinha was on the podcast, the author of the South Asian Health Solution, he mentioned that meta-study uh, from UCLA where the heart attack victims had normal, quote-unquote, or safe, quote-unquote, cholesterol levels. And he said that the medical community's initial reaction was to lower the LDL threshold instead of take a look at the big picture and some of the other risk factors. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when when you have 75% of people developing heart attacks when their cholesterol levels indicate that they're not at high risk for a cardiovascular event, that that tells you that it's true that there is a time for reassessment. You've got to reassess something. But I um, obviously 
they are, they've already reassessed this. I mean, this is ancient history here. 20 years ago, they reassessed it because the LDL level that was considered abnormal 20 years ago was upwards of 160. I think it was something, you know, 20 years ago, I was, I was just a baby doctor still wearing my doctor diapers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think the LDL level uh, was only considered abnormal if it was 180 or 200 at that point in time. And now it's down to 130. Um, for the majority of people, and then you know, 100 for other people with higher risk, and 70 for people who've already had a heart attack. So they keep dropping that thing down, and still, yet people still have heart attacks, even at the lowest levels, even under 70. Seventeen uh, percent right. of people who had heart attacks had had it under 70. So clearly, there's they got it right. There's time to reassess something, but it's not the LDL level. Um, well, Tim Russert was the famous case that. Um when he dropped at the age of 58, I believe his total cholesterol, LDL and HDL, was a uh, statin-induced lowering down to like 110 total. Yeah, and that's insane. I mean, so, you know, the the question is, what is a good, what is a good warning? And uh, what I talk about in our book, Deep Nutrition, and both that book and Food Rules, is that if there was only one test you could get, um, and you only had like... Uh, $5 to do it, <laughs> I would get a fasting blood sugar finger uh-huh. stick. Because if that is is 90 or over, that is a sign that you have a metabolic problem. Now, it may not put you at super high risk of heart disease in the next 5 to 10 years, but it's going to put you at high risk of something in the next 5 to 10 years. And so um, that's another important thing is that, you know, we talk about um, preventative medicine in terms of like, heart attacks and very few other diseases, but there's, there's, you know, and there's epidemics of chronic diseases from cancer to back pain, you know, disabling back pain to autoimmune diseases. And the one number that indicates whether you're at risk for any of those more than anything else is that fasting blood sugar. Uh, so what does that suggest if your fasting blood sugar is at 105 or whatever the outside of the safe range? Well, I recommend that um, uh, the evidence really suggests it needs to be under 90 uh, for fasting. Um, and uh, we're not quite your, there yet um, in terms of like your doctor wouldn't tell you that uh, just yet. What the lab, what most labs now use as a cutoff value is 100. Um, and so uh, if it's out, what they'll tell you now is, oh, you have prediabetes, but we don't have to do anything about it. It's not that serious. And, and that is, I mean, I'm serious. That's what they'll tell you. You have prediabetes, but it's not that serious. And unfortunately, because most doctors just completely don't see the big picture and how all these diseases come from um, the common soil of deranged metabolism, we still say that, oh, it's not that serious because you don't have to be put on a medicine for it. But, you know, obviously um, there's still something wrong. And what does it mean? Well, it means a lot of different things. For one thing, we have 20 hormones and their job, the job of those 20 hormones, somewhere around 20, uh, depending how you count it, is to do nothing is to, well, the, the main thing that, of the, that those hormones do is keep our blood sugar level in a, in a safe zone between 75 and 85 when we're fasting. And they need to do that because we need some sugar in our bloodstream because the red blood cells can't use anything else for energy. Mm-hmm. And a few other cells in the body can't use anything else for energy. 
But when the higher the blood sugar level is, the faster that sugar does damage to all kinds of tissues. And so sugar is a toxin, you know, at higher concentrations, it has toxic effects on cells in the body, everything from the beta cells in the pancreas that secrete insulin to the retinal cells in the back of your eye to the brain cells. And so high levels of sugar actually lead to tissue damage. How do you um, distinguish between your fasting glucose and the A1C test, the longer term view? The A1C test is another really important test because people can have normal fasting glucoses, but their A1C is elevated. Um, And that's because your blood sugar level will fluctuate on a minute-to-minute basis depending on what you ate and how stressed you are, how much exercise you did, how much sleep you got, how much coffee you just drank. Um, But what we also want to know is over that over the course of you know longer time, what is your average blood sugar? So the A- A1C, also known as glycated hemoglobin or hemoglobin A1C, has a bunch of different names. Um, they all all those things refer to how much sugar, glucose sugar, literally sticks to the hemoglobin molecules that are in your blood cells, your red blood cells, and the red blood cells live three months. So it, it it's like these red blood, red blood cells go around in your bloodstream and delivering oxygen, but they're also collecting sugar, sort of like a, a you know, like a dust catcher. Or like, um, the more blood sugar you have, the higher your blood sugar level, the more sugar is literally going to stick to these um, to the hemoglobin. So it's a, the A1C is a percentage uh, of, I think it's by weight of how much sugar your hemoglobin. Is made up now out of, and the normal value is somewhere under five point one. But a lot of folks are running in the upper fives and lower sixes, and actually have metabolic problems already. They have elevated fasting blood sugars. They've got elevated insulin levels, and have never been told that they're that this is a problem because of the fact that doctors just don't learn. Uh, you know what really causes a lot of these metabolic diseases? We don't learn how they're all connected to high blood sugar. Uh, maybe they're so it's so prevalent that it uh, becomes normal. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you live in a room with yellow light, of so, so you don't know that the, there's a yellow light anymore after a while. You can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so should we be uh, checking both of those um, as a routine? I mean, you said the the one I, and only for five bucks you could get the the fasting blood glucose, but I I've read that um, the other one might be more relevant for a longer term average. It is more relevant, yes. Well, for a longer-term average, right? They're they're both extremely useful. Um, I, I do both of them all the time, and, and the Primal Advantage panels, of course, include both of them. Um, but, um, y- yeah, you, you almost need the two together um, because I, a lot of times I see that someone will have a normal glycated hemoglobin, but their fasting blood sugar level is elevated. And so... That means that their body is just still not quite able to maintain normal values. Something's wrong with their um, metabolism. They're not, they don't have the, the exquisite level of insulin sensitivity or sensitivity to the other hormones like glucagon and leptin and so on, these other many hormones that are involved in regulating blood sugar. There's something just out of whack a little bit. So I, 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 that's why I do need the two of them. And there's other, there's other um, things that I look at as well, like the advanced lipid testing and um, an entire, something called a comprehensive metabolic panel, 
um, that has 14 different tests within it. And all of them are um, necessary for me to really see what's going on with a person's metabolism. Uh, so speaking of the Primal Advantage program, and another reason why it took a long time to build out is you did this phenomenal integrated online uh, database for each individual client where they have uh, their blood results get thrown right in there, uh, a questionnaire that they fill out, uh, as well as their food diary and some other peripherals, and then you evaluate all that material and spit out a metabolic snapshot score. Can you talk a little bit how that process works? Yeah, people, I wanted to give people something where they could see progress over time so that they could come you know, back in three months and see with a glance um, themselves that things have improved. So the metabolic snapshot gives you a, a printout, like a gauge. It's a, literally a gauge, colorful gauge, uh, of three or six different body systems. And um, the way the gauge... Um, the way the numbers put together comes from a synthesis of the lab test values as well as the answers to the questionnaires that pertain to each of the six body systems. Uh, so when, when all that stuff gets uh, reported, the customer signs up for Primal Advantage, it's, uh, what's the cost? Six ninety nine. Right. So they sign up for six ninety nine, um, and then they actually obtain that blood test a la carte. We have a special uh, alliance with directlabs.com, but some people can go through their insurance and get the blood tests for free. But um, the blood test that you custom designed and request for your clients uh, is available at directlabs.com. It's called the Primal Advantage Blood Test, right? Yes. And that's a, only a hundred and something bucks? There's two of them. One is 109 and one is 189. And both of those are extreme discounts. They give us a really great deal. Um, on yeah, it's almost $1,000 worth of readings if you went to your neighborhood lab and asked them how much everything costs, right? Yeah, so lab tests are incredibly expensive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's great because you can kind of bypass that uh, going through the steps of making a doctor's appointment, asking for blood tests, hoping that you'll get uh, the relevant ones, as you talked about at the outset of the show. Um, but with, in this case, when you sign up for the Primal Advantage, then you go to Direct Labs and order your blood tests a la carte and put in your zip code and go to a nearby blood draw center at your convenience. They take your blood, and then a few days later, uh, they send you an email, and also, I, I guess, gets reported directly to you, um, all the results. It's wonderful. And I like it because it really does give me much more insights into a person's true risk of, of developing not just heart attacks, um, but all kinds of metabolic problems. And a lot of it, though, it comes from not just looking at the normal values that the lab provide. It comes from you know the 20 years that I've learned what these numbers really come from and how they, how they pertain to um, everything from dietary imbalances to lack of exercise to hormone um, imbalances. So um, even without specific detailed hormone testing, that could cause, cause thousands and thousands of dollars. We get a lot of insights. Um, and, and that's kind of what this panel really is. It's, uh, you know, because people have asked, you know, well, so do you do thyroid testing? Do you do um, estrogen testing? Uh, do you do DNA testing? And this is, this is something that gives me insights into where we might want to go if we want to do testing later, more detailed testing later. But it's, it's not to start out with that much, um, 
detail, be, uh, you know, with those kinds of body system specific um, tests, this, this gets, helps us identify where we might need to go. That's important that you mentioned that because, and I'm familiar with this uh, from my days as an athlete, uh, quite frequently the alternative healthcare practitioners will put you through these hideously expensive uh, tests and protocols and supplement regimens trying to figure out um, what's wrong and, and, and not taking the traditional Western approach of dispensing prescription drugs, which is great, but it does run into... Uh, obscenely high costs that are entirely out of pocket. So you're trying to um, address this in a different way, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's not to take anything from the naturopathic uh, uh, or alternative medicine world uh, of, of practitioners at all. But a, a lot of times, for whatever reason, patients will come to me in my office ha- having spent thousands and thousands of dollars on the test and they never really felt like they got to understand what the tests even meant. And um, and from my perspective, I often don't really understand. It doesn't appear like there was a clear thought process behind the ordering of all the tests because it's such a mishmash of all over the place. And and you know, I will a- I ask people, well, did they ask you know you this question first because without this question you really can't interpret this test and a lot of times maybe they don't remember they say no so i the, that's the last thing i want to do is ring up a big bill and <laughs> and then have um have it be for tests that really don't tell us anything so these tests so far everybody who has participated we found something very valuable in the test uh can you talk about some of the patterns that you've seen or some of the issues that come up with your initial batch of clients the I'd say almost to um, every every single person has already lost the ability to properly regulate blood sugar. Now, uh, um, mind you, I've only had one patient who was um, as young as twenty. The rest of them have been more like in the forties, fifties, and sixties. But it's a reflection of what I see in my clinic too, which is these days because people start out on the standard American high carb diet, low nutrient diet. Um, the, by the time somebody makes it into their twenties, there's already metabolic problems from that. And, um, we have to, the the doctors just have not learned how to identify that yet. And so that's what I'm doing is, um, you know, just making a, a little bit of an inroads into this huge problem that we have and helping people understand where it comes from and what to do about it specifically. I mean, you know, people can read books and, um, and learn a lot on their own, but, a lot of times it still leaves people with a lot of questions. And so that's what I'm about answering. Um, and inter- interesting, especially for me, and we did a, uh, you wrote a guest post on Mark's Daily Apple about this, uh, referencing uh, our, our, our discussion about my own blood work and my own athletic regimen. I've been an athlete for a long time and elite athlete back in the old days as a triathlete. Um, but that's still no guarantee of healthy blood panels and overall health, huh? Right, because you know it's so easy to it's so easy to overtrain, and um, there's just so much that our body needs in terms of nutrition that is not easy to come by here in this culture. So it's easy to it's easier to overtrain a body that is relatively undernourished, and so just the combination in our country of this intense um, and a lot of excellent training. Um, that, that we have access to and, you know, just a love for fitness and competitive nature, combine that uh, with the lack of time for sleep 
and then the lack of uh, understanding of what a healthy diet is. And it's just, it's uh, very rampant is uh, the problem of overtraining. And then we do see some problems that's reflected in the metabolic snapshot. Um, so what what's happening to a seemingly healthy, fit-looking person on the outside when they're uh, expressing these risk factors such as overtraining and lack of sleep? Well, aside from stuff that other folks have probably already talked about, like um, heart rate, beat-to-beat variabilities, and a lot of folks also have talked about the issue of um, you know adrenal burnout or adrenal fatigue, um, I, I actually see that whole concept of adrenal burnout and adrenal fatigue as a problem in the energy system, not necessarily first involving the adrenal gland either. It's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of, um, of dysregulated uh, blood sugar um, systems. But other things that come up in the blood tests are evidence that they're just not, they're not getting enough um, protein particularly, or if they are, they're not utilizing it properly, uh, and uh, enough minerals. So I see a lot of athletes who are borderline anemic and have abnormally sized um, red blood cells or uh, their, their, their white blood cell counts are a little bit low, their platelets are a little low. All these are indicators that the bone marrow is stressed and not able to produce um, the cells that it needs to produce at the correct rate or make them even healthy enough to do their job properly. So that's, that's one of the most common things that I see among all the major serious athletes that I've worked with so far. Uh, and so what's the, what's the typical protocol from that point? They're going to have to make some dietary modifications, I, I would imagine, is first and foremost. Yeah, but the goal there is so that the person can use the protein that they get more effectively because very few athletes are, are you know, not eating enough protein. It's just that they're maybe not eating the correct balance of protein or complete protein. So we talk about that. We, we help them balance out their protein intake. And they're also not able to utilize their protein because a lot of folks are forced to burn protein for sugar to feed the muscle to fuel their sports athletics. So we have to get back to making those energy systems work properly. Uh, and so you've been through uh, a good couple dozen of initial clients so far. Um, what do you what do you think so far? Has it been what you expected? Is it uh, is it been a little different? I mean, where do we stand with this program now? Well, here and here comes the helicopter. Oh, um, lovely. <laughs> um, it, I, I think it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, every every for me, um, every new person that I get to. Uh, talk to and review their labs and their diet and understand, um, you know, for me, it's just so exciting to see these results coming in and seeing how it all fits together with their symptoms and their blood tests and what they've been eating and how they sleep and all this and help people, uh, you know, I find every case so interesting. It's, um, and I just help, love helping people understand how their body's working um, because I, I like to empower them to not be afraid of what's going on, but to take control. That's, that's, uh, you know, it takes me back to that, uh, the start of our conversation when you're talking about that 90 minute consultation, that's the centerpiece of the program. And in comparison to the medical system where you're, uh, your, your goal or you're, you're obligated to, 
hit around the 10 minute mark before you have another patient stacking up. And in that time period, that's when you can really get in deep and, and pick around and find out where those holes might be. And if people, I'll, I'll put in the show notes, go back to the post you wrote uh, about talking about my case where, gee, I've been eating strict primal wonderfully for many years, training very sensibly, but still came up with some adverse blood results that were, uh, in, in my case, it was, you know, missing some of those four pillars that you call it, like the bone broth and the, the meat on the bone and the liver and things that um, just didn't fall into place. And I'm, I'm burning so much energy as an athlete or as a fit person that, um, you know, our needs are, um, are, are elevated. Yeah, absolutely. And I, as I remember, like you made some changes and you got retested, right? Or am I remembering that yeah, wrong? Yeah. And things and look great. Better. And that's, you know, that's what's so good for, for anyone to realize here is that even with the uh, metabolic syndrome markers, if someone just gets it into gear and hangs up the phone with you and goes on a 30-day, you know, simple, sensible modification of their dietary habits, they're going to go get their blood run again and things are going to look, generally speaking, um, fantastically better. Yeah, I haven't ever seen an exception where somebody does what I recommend and, and we don't see something if not a lot of things moving in a better direction. So, and, but, but of course I'm, I'm looking for that because if that doesn't happen, I want to know why so that I can, I don't just say, well, it must be something about you or your genetics. I never leave it to that. I always um, <laughs> like to try to get down to an actual actionable um, <clears throat> cause and, you know, solution. Hopefully. Are you saying that other doctors do that as a routine, Kate? <laughs> hey, you just have bad luck. Sorry, pal. Yeah, I, I'm guilty myself. I'm. Sh- I remember back when I had my baby doctor diapers on, and and people would be like, "Well, why do I have high blood pressure?" And you know, if if it wasn't that they smoke or don't exercise, um, you know, or the obvious stuff, I'd have to just be like, "Well, it must be your family history," you know. And you know, frankly, when you only have seven minutes to talk to somebody, it's it's really hard to even conceive of. Like trying to figure that out, you know, because it's just so much easier to say, well, it's, I'm sorry, you just didn't draw the right number on the genetic lottery. You know, it's so easy to do that. But yeah, obviously there's a reason. And that's what the epigenetics and, you know, you've had people on uh, at the different primal cons talking about the power of food to change genes and affect the next generation. And so um, that's, I think, a big part of why I'm seeing people as young as, you know, 20. And I even had a 12 year old that uh, had abnormal blood sugar regulation. And and this was not an overweight or, you know, obviously lethargic person. This was a, this was a kid who participated in sports and came from a really, you know, uh, upper middle-class background and yet still had metabolic problems. So it just makes it, I mean, I don't mean, I don't bring that up to say, well, you know, the next generation, they're totally screwed. It's really important and leave it at that, right? They, they have to be much more careful though. That That's the reality. They do have to be much more careful than, than people in my generation because of the genetic factors and all the environmental stuff that's just changed the way everybody's, uh, the, this millennium generation bodies are, are working and there's food prob- sensitivities and autoimmune disorders. So it just makes it so important to get these fundamentals correct. Yeah, arguably the food selections are worse than, than the last generation faced. Uh, and the, uh, a lot of the lifestyle patterns and the sedentary patterns are much worse, especially for the youth today. So I agree, they have to be more careful and more vigilant. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's another thing is to me, whenever I hear um, of people coming up with health misfortunes, you often hear some attribution to genetics. And it's, it's heartbreaking for me to hear that because it, it always feels like a cop out for the person. And oh, it's such bad news. And oh, I'm so sorry to hear about it. And well, yeah, it's it's genetic. It it runs in my family, and so you know, like you said, I just I just drew a bad number. And even if there's validity to that, um, the lifestyle alteration variable is is often disregarded, and people just uh, shrug their shoulders and swallow the pill or, or accept their fate when it doesn't really have to be that way. Yeah, I mean the the genetic does play a role in terms of helping to decide which problem you're going to get from a standard American diet, like whether your family is more prone to um, cancer or uh, neurological and psychiatric kind of problems or the standard, you know, what we think of as metabolic disorders, which are just one type of metabolic disorder, like the diabetes, hypertension, overweight kind of stuff. But they're all, there's a, uh, something called the common soil hypothesis and um, you know, hopefully more doctors will, will pay attention to that because what it's showing is that all these diseases that I just mentioned that we think of different, as different diseases come from the common soil of abnormal metabolism and abnormal diet. So while it's true-ish you know, that if somebody comes in and they have diabetes, you, you do get to say, well, it is your family history. You don't get to quit there. You, get to, you have to say, all right, well, now let's do something about it. But because of the epigenetic effects, the next generation is more prone to whatever disease you're prone to. And that's just a sad fact. But I mean, it is tragic, right? This is, it's a disaster. It's a genetic disaster that we're in the middle of now. And as a family physician, I, I see this and I think a lot of other family physicians are starting to notice this and pediatricians are starting to notice that there's a big difference now in the experience of being a child this generation than it was 40 years ago, where, you know, of course, there's all the social things and kids just uh, are living in less safe environments. So they just can't just go outside and play, but they don't want to because their bodies don't work the same. And that is, that is something that nobody's talking about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, we're, it's bordering on a crisis situation where I have so many young children in my practice where, their bodies are just not working properly and it's just getting harder to try to figure out what to do for them. So something, you know, if you've got kids, it's so important, of course, for you to be healthy enough to take care of them, but it's even more important for them, you know, if anybody listening, I mean, <laughs> for, for your kids to um, see you as a role model and then ultimately um, eat as well as they possibly can because it is more important for the next generation. You know, we, we have these this I, these images of um, people like uh, James Burns. No, is, who's that guy that played God? Is it oh, George Burns. George Burns, yeah. So he was like 100 years old and, um, you know, he was smoking, right? Uh, how did he, if smoking so bad, how did he live to be 100 years old? Well, there's, there's something we talk about in our book, Deep Nutrition, called genetic wealth. And it comes from the fact that your parents and your grandparents did a lot of the right things, a lot more than the average Joe. And so this is why we have people who are athletes, right, who grow to be, you know, seven feet tall and um, their bodies work perfectly. And we have other people who are not able to do that. that. That's a genetic difference that's not random either. You know, I don't like chalking really anything up to random. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's 
because unfortunately their their parents and their grandparents and so on down the line who knows how far ago it began or it really happened um something just didn't happen as optimally and so the the genes are trying to say okay well we can't have this person grow as tall or grow as much muscle because we can't guarantee that there's going to be as much nutrition around as would be necessary for that and so um so you have that's how you get some of these different body types and so you know even just that is is not random right we we it is genetic but it's not random so there's a big difference there if that makes sense Sure, and you talk about that at length in Deep Nutrition, which is a wonderful book, and I, I believe you receive that as part of the Primal Advantage package, right? Yes. So you get everything you need to arm yourself, and hopefully those parents were listening up carefully for the last few minutes, and if you're a kid listening, uh, our sincerest apologies for the, uh, the time you were born and the state of affairs and, and general health and society, but I, I appreciate you being so emphatic about um, just how important it is, especially in the role, as a role model and as a parent. Um, one thing I wanted to get into quickly, speaking of genetics... LeBron James, <laughs> um, a genetic outlier in many ways, uh, has just uh, hit the news as going paleo and dropping a bunch of uh, body weight to, to become leaner for the seasons ahead. And I know that you're deep into the NBA scene with your association with the Lakers. And if the people didn't hear your first podcast with Mark, just give me a little bit of a scoop there about what you do for the Lakers and Kobe and also what you think about um, the, the great news that LeBron and Dwayne Wade are um, adopting a uh, more ancestral type diet. Oh, it is great news because, you know, these guys can be absolute dominating monsters. I mean, you know, LeBron is already there, but I mean, he could, uh, I can't wait to see what he can do once he gets his his body um, on a, you know, optimal, everything working properly. Yeah, and, and uh, let's not forget that um, all his exploits and performances, he did cramp up at the wrong time in the NBA finals. And this is something that's always uh, strongly tied to diet, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, that's the the first thing that goes offline for these, um, the unfortunately, athletes that are operating under the belief that, sugar is like the ultimate perfect fuel that they're operating out of this belief because they hear it multiple times from their dietitians. But, um, but you know, this is what we're trying to do with the Lakers is make them all monsters, right? Make them all get their metabolism so that they don't have these, um, energy crisis and energy fluctuations during the game. And the folks who have, it's been a terrible year, you know, Gary Vitti, who's the trainer, um, says that like, uh, after 2012-13 season, he said it was the worst season, and then then he, they then they had the 2013-14 season, and it's just been incredibly bad luck with random injuries that you know folks came in to the Lakers with, unfortunately, and bone injuries that you would not expect a uh, you know a diet change over the past three months to be able to prevent fractures, and you know unfortunately, I wish I could say that it would, but um, it takes years of um, of a bad diet to make the bones weak. And it takes also years of a good diet to make them strong again. But uh, the guys who are on the plan are very, they're telling the, uh, they're telling us that they're very happy with how they feel, that they have less aches and pains, they have more energy. Um, and of course their body compositions are looking good. And the, the blood tests, when we get those tested, um, are looking better. So it's all going the right way. 
Well, these guys are amazing because I, I think there's hardly any examples on the planet of an athlete who is uh, compelled to be explosive and powerful like an NBA player and a full-on hardcore endurance athlete when you talk about a 100-game season in short order and running up and down the court all night. So there's almost nothing that compares to it. Maybe a, uh, a world champion boxer who is doing all the endurance work and training as well as the explosive punching. But these guys are the fittest athletes on the planet. And to see them adopting the uh, dietary habits that we're all so fond of, I think will be a great way to continue to immerse into general culture. I mean, I know people pay attention to Dr. Kate, but uh, LeBron <laughs> will also help uh, attract people to the, um, to the optimal dietary habits. Oh, yeah, way more. I mean, I, I have a lot of parents who tell me that, oh, my husband, like he, I've been telling him, you know, that pay attention to his diet for years. But when he read what Kobe was doing or when he read uh, about Dwight and the Lakers, he's like, oh, wow, you know, where do I sign up? So <laughs> it really uh, has a, been a uh, positive experience that way. And that's exactly what, exactly what we are hoping for. Oh, that's great. And I, I want to, before you go, uh, I know you have to get on with a, um, another one of your consultation appointments. So I appreciate you taking the time for the podcast, but this has been so enlightening and there's so many questions that relate to the types of things you're talking about that we feel. So I was wondering if you would like to come back uh, on a regular basis and maybe get into tackling some actual questions perhaps from your clients if they give your permission, but also people that just want to write in uh, on the podcast site or even will set up the speak pipe for you to record your question and see if we can have a little Q&A with the doctor on the Primal Blueprint podcast on a recurring basis. Oh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I would love to do that. Thanks. All right, Dr. Kate Shanahan, uh, everything well in Napa and the house is all cleaned up and survived the earthquake. Um, go to primalblueprint.com and check out the Primal Advantage program, one-on-one -on -one metabolic consulting with Dr. Kate. It's off to a great success and hopefully many more years to come of finally having a resource wherever you live to engage with uh, directly that speak in your talk. So thanks for having us. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. This is Brad Kern signing off for the Primal Blueprint podcast. Dun, 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 dun. We are so pleased to announce the release of the long-awaited Primal Blueprint Expert Certification Program. The Primal Blueprint Cert is a comprehensive online educational program consisting of an educational course with examinations along with a robust package of multimedia educational materials, instructional videos from Mark Sisson, audiobooks, and digital books. The certification package is designed to deepen your knowledge of the primal paleo evolutionary health principles and become empowered to teach others to live primally. The online course consists of 13 separate educational modules, text and video instruction, that align with the eight key concepts and five action items of the Primal Blueprint 21-Day Total Body Transformation book, except for it's about five times more detailed. This is the real deal if you want to take your knowledge and professional expertise to the next level. After each educational module, you will take an online exam consisting of true-false and multiple-choice questions and receive an instant score. It's great fun, and it's a great challenge. When you pass all 13 modules, you join our elite group of certified experts helping to promote the primal movement with Mark Sisson. You get an awesome completion kit of goodies, including apparel and promo items, and you build your profile in our online certified expert directory to tell the world about your elevated status. 
This is the first and surely to be the preeminent online certification course in the primal paleo evolutionary health world. It's a great opportunity to invest in yourself and step up to the next level with your knowledge and commitment to primal living. You can learn all about the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification and register for immediate access to the course and the educational materials at primalblueprint.com.